Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today in the presence of Almighty God and the presence of these fine gentlemen. Hi, gentlemen, why don't you just say hi to everybody? Hello. Hey guys, we are going to dive in today. Uh, I kind of have a, a little bit of a, a problem today because there's so much I want to say, and it's I'm trying. To, I'm going to try to put it all together. But you know what? Sometimes it's just like going down to Old Country Buffet, and you got you got to get your your feast on. And there's a lot of good, delicious, chewy nuggets in here, especially those little fish nuggets. I always wonder. <laughs> How like are fish shaped like that? And anyway, I don't want to talk about. It. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it anymore. Anyway, guys, I want to go to the painting. I'm Captain Random today, but it's gonna be good. Trust me. Look at this, guys. To date, I think that this is probably my favorite painting that Mindy has done. Number one, it's just spectacular. It's gorgeous. But I just love the imagery that's going on here. Look at this tree. So you got this olive tree. And at the very base, you know, we go back to the book of Genesis where the fall of man happens. You have sin entering the world. And that, at the, at the root system, grows into the rest of the tree. And so here's the deal. But as it goes up, then you got the 12 tribes of Israel. And look, so 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. And we got 12 right here. And today, guys, I want to hone in today specifically on partially what I'm going to talk about is the 12th bird that we got, the tribe of Levi. And what the, the, the plan that's getting put in place is just amazing. Then you also have in this picture, you, got, you have seven uh, trumpets uh, talking about the priesthood as the, the priest would, would go into and, and march into battle and also uh, on holy days they would blast the trumpets call to war call to sacrifice that kind of stuff again the uh, the imagery is amazing you got the harp which represents just david's lifestyle of worship and what i love about this little bird here is that it's singing to the lord again this whole uh first chronicles really you see david's heart for worship just being poured out time after time after time so it's super cool you got the crown of glory uh that actually we're going to be talking about how it's going to be passed to the next generation of Solomon. And then finally down here, uh, we have the scrolls, which represents the blueprint and the plans for what God has birthed in King David and what's going to come to fruition. And today, my friends, these blueprints, these scrolls are going to be opened up and, and, and uh, King David is going to give actual directions on how this plan is going to get carried out. So if I had a title for this plan, I would call it the power of a plan. Gentlemen, would you say the power of a plan? The power, power of, of a plan. plan. So we're going to talk about how this plan is coming together. Uh, and so I'm super excited about this. We're just going to dive right into First uh, Chronicles chapter 23. And we're just going to kind of go verse by verse. And I got some insights that I want to throw in here. Again, welcome to Old Joshi Buffet. It's going to be fun. It's going to be good. So look at this. When David was old and full of days, kind of like Kevin McElravey. I mean, he's just kind of old and full of full of days. Uh, he installed his son Solomon. He installed his son Solomon as king over Israel. Now, don't go anywhere yet. Look at this. When David was old and full of days, you guys have probably heard this lingo before. Do you guys remember anybody in the Bible who actually had this spoken about him? Not right offhand. It was said about Abraham. It was said about Isaac, Moses, and Job are the four guys I'm particularly thinking of, of that these patriarchs, a sign of a righteous, faith-filled man, you guys, 
it, it was this was this terminology. It was like an honor and and kind of like the 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 signature of like a life well lived and a, a, a righteous life. So when David was old and full of days, then he installed his son Solomon as king over Israel. So guys, let me ask you this: Why do you think? David installed Solomon as the king before he died. You know, if you think of other other dynasties or other kingdoms, there's typically, you know, the king dies and then the new king takes the throne. Why do you guys think that? Well, Solomon wasn't necessarily his firstborn. Right. So because of the promise that he'd been given out of the sin, which isn't recorded here in Chronicles with Bathsheba, yep. comes Solomon and that's who the line of the kingship's supposed to go through. So he has to do it while he's alive. He can't wait till it's... Absolutely. Kevin, if you could, could you go to 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 14 and 15? Guys, this is the promise that has been passed on from David to King Solomon. Look at this. This is, what, this is the promise that God says. If you walk in my ways and keep my statutes and commands, just as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Guys, this is the inheritance. This is the blessing that, that Solomon now gets to transfer and begins to walk in uh, as a result of King David's righteousness. It's the same blessing. Uh, and why don't you do this, man? If you can go to Deuteronomy 5.33, just to reiterate this even more out of, the, uh, out of the way Old Testament back in the days of Moses. Deuteronomy 5.33 says this, follow the whole instruction of the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live prosper and have a long life in the land that you will possess. And so even as just as we're walking as Christians, man, Paul says to live a life, walk worthy of this calling that you have. And I just encourage and exhort all of us here just to be living that out. Now we're going to flip uh, over to verse two and I want to unpack uh, this, this thing here a little bit. It says this in verse two, it says, then he gathered all the leaders of Israel, the priests and the Levites the Levites are over here, man. We're going to talk about this little birdie. But first, I want to talk about the leaders. Now, in, the, in other translations, what this says is, then he gathered all the princes of Israel, all the leaders. So typically, as I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, yeah, so like the government, yeah, like all, all the, the different vassals and lords that are over the different parts of the kingdom. No, guys, look at this. this is the, these are the princes of Israel. And I want to talk just real quickly, give a broad brush stroke here. Uh, Kevin, why don't you go to First Chronicles chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Just going to kind of go down the line here. It says, these were David's sons who were born to him in Hebron. Amnon was the firstborn by Ahinoam of Jezreel. Daniel was, was the second born by Abigail of Carmel. Go to the next verse. Absalom, the son of Maacah, daughter of King Tal- Talmai. Ooh, sorry, I don't have my A game today. King Talmai of Geshur was third. Adonijah, son of Hagit, was fourth. Go to the next one. Shepatiah by Abital. Abital sounds kind of like a prescription medication. Why don't you try Ab- uh, Abital for your those warts that you have, uh, uh, <laughs> was fifth. And Ithraim by David's wife, Egla. <laughs> Egla? It's kind of a funny name. All right, it was sixth. I got the giggles today. Six sons were born to David in Hebron, where he ruled seven years and six months, and he ruled in Jerusalem 33 years. Uh, yeah, 
These sons were born to him in Jerusalem. Shemaiah, Shobab, Nathan, and Solomon. These four were born to him by, by Bathsheba, daughter of Amiel. Okay, the next one. David's other sons, and they don't really give the names or kind of where they're coming from, but we got Ebhar, we got Elishua, we got Eliphalet. Next, next one is Noga, Nepheg, and Japhia. All right, the next one, Elishama, Eliada. And he liked the name so much before, he named another son, Eliphalet. He had nine sons, kind of randomly, that weren't really talked about. All these were David's sons with their sister Tamar, in addition to the sons by his concubines. So this is the deal. We got all these people, but not all of them actually showed up. So let's just kind of take it back in. You got Amnon. He's the firstborn by Ahinoam. He was killed by his uh, half-brother Absalom. Uh, because Amnon actually raped Tamar, and this whole dramatic thing took place. So Amnon uh, is is dead. We got Kiliab, which is also known as Daniel, born by Abigail. You got the third one, it's Absalom by Maacah. We all know this story, kind of a tragic situation, ended up dead, uh, went after his brother Amnon, tried to usurp the throne. That's crazy stuff. Look at this, Adonijah by Haggit. He was executed under King Solomon when Solomon stepped in and he, uh, when he tried to usurp the throne. So we got all this kind of vying for power and vying for authority and vying for the kingdom. You got Shephetiah by Abital. Try prescription Abital today. Uh, Ithraim by Igla. You got Shimeah by Bathsheba. You got all these boys, Shobab, Nathan, and finally Solomon was actually the fifth born because remember the one son who is unnamed, he ended up dying as a result of David and Bathsheba's sin. Kind of crazy. Then you got all these kind of random guys. Ebar, Elishua, Eliphalet, Noga, Nephek, Japhia, Elishama, Eliada, and the second Eliphet. Uh, and then obviously Tamar, the daughter. And so... Uh, he ha- they they obviously lost the one son Bathsheba and David and there's possibly an, a 22nd child named Jeremoth and what scholars don't know is if that's actually kind of another child by some other concubine or if this guy is actually named a, a part of uh, actually has kind of a dual name with another another one of these guys so we're talking like you had how many how many did I have okay so you have these princes. That are gathered here today. So you got, I mean, somewhere between 15 and 16 of these princes still living. So these princes of Israel, they're hanging out and with the priests and with the Levites. All right, are you getting this picture? So they're all coming together. Now look at this in verse 3. Why don't you read this with me? The Levites, 30 years old or more, were counted. The total number of men was 38,000 by head count. Now look at this. So According to scripture, if you guys look at this, the amount of Levitical leaders had doubled since the time of Moses. In Numbers 4.3, you don't have to go there, Kevin, but as you can see, back in that time of of Moses, it was about 17,000 Levitical leaders at the time. And so between Moses and David's reign, this is what has happened. They've more than doubled now. And so the Levite tribe had gotten big, has gotten doubled in size. But look at this in verse 4. Why don't you read this with me? Of these, David said, 24,000 are to be in charge of the work on the Lord's temple. So we got builders happening here. Uh, and we're going to go to the, why don't you go to the, the, the board here in a sec. So look at this. As we look at this, this marker board, we got the 24,000 builders. We've got 38,000 total down here on the bottom. But here it is, 24,000 builders. And then what does the next part say? It says 6,000 6, are to be officers and judges. So these guys are the ones that are executing the plan. They're the ones carrying out the plan. And this is what's fun. 
Go into the next one. You got uh, 4,000 that are to be gatekeepers and 4,000 are to praise the Lord with the instruments that I have made for worship. Did you guys know that King David was this amazing, almost like, like, really in like a cool inventor. He had an entrepreneurial mind and, and he made these different instruments. So even some instruments that we play today came out of King David's rule. It's kind of fun. The different stringed instruments, the lyre, these different things, they were developed and uh, they had these instrumentalists. And so what's so cool and part of what I want to take you guys into today, Kevin, if you, if you would, could you go to Ephesians 4.11? And within Time to Revive, guys, we talk about this a lot. Uh, it's kind of a, a buzzword among different circles, but we call it fivefold. Now look at this. On a New Testament level, this is what I want to build a bridge between the old and the new. Look at this. And he personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now here's the deal. For the training of the saints in the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. Do you see what's happening here? I, I just think about the 6,000 officers. You know, we talk about the office of apostle or the office of prophet or the office of evangelist or the pastor. We talk about these things. These are the guys that came underneath and became the root system, the building system for building and carrying out God's plan with this new tabernacle. Super fun. Now, guys, it's not just about hot shots. It's not just about the, the, the cool apostle and the prophet and the, the, I'm the pastor. Like, it's not just about that. Those guys are called to be the greatest servants to oversee what God is doing. Now look at this. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. You guys are individuals, but you're part of a whole. Look at this. And God has placed in the, these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, managing various kinds of languages. Let's go to the next verse here. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Next verse. Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in other languages? Do all interpret? But desire the greater gifts, and I will show you an even better way. And this is what's so cool, guys, is I look at the Old Testament here. As I look at 1 Chronicles chapter 23, what I see coming into play is, this is, this is, this is the theme for me, is that they needed 24,000 builders. Not everybody can be an instrumentalist. Not any, everybody uh, was selected to be a gatekeeper. Not everybody was one of the 6,000 officers and judges. There was more, there was 24,000 builders and workers and guys, I do want to say this, that we are all equal in the body of Christ. Yes, there's an authority structure. Yes, well, I love that. I love how Jesus set it up. The scripture is clear about the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. That's totally true. But guys, that's meant to be a foundation. It's meant to be the root system in which the tree can grow up into full maturity. It's really where the, the fruit is going to begin to pop is as the root system goes up, as the tree grows. Guys, this is what we're called to do as the body of Christ. We're called to be this system. Oh, I just love this, you guys. So we got 38,000 in total. You got the builders, you got the officers, the gatekeepers, and the instrumentalists. And guys, I got to tell you, I'm excited because I'm an instrumentalist, and I would love to be, I'd love to be hanging out in this tabernacle. I would love to be one of the 4,000 that are just pouring out their heart through instrument, through worship, through vocal, through that kind of stuff. That would be so cool, and I'd love that. Hey, Kevin, if you could, why don't you go to Proverbs 16.3. 
Now look at this. I love this uh, part of the scripture. It's one of my favorite scriptures. It says this, commit your activities to the Lord. Commit your plans to the Lord, another translation says. And your plans will be achieved. Whatever you're doing, commit them to the Lord. And so what, Paul, what, what King David is doing, the pow, he's unfolding the power of the plan. The blueprints are being laid out. And he's selecting who's going to be doing what in this new plan. And really, what's happening here, guys, is King David is at the end of his life. And so he's just kind of laying it all out and making it crystal clear. And so the reason why I talked about even King David's other sons, the reason why uh, uh, King David transferred the power while he was still alive to his son Solomon was because there was all this junk. You got Adonijah, you got Absalom. They're all trying to take the throne. There's all this confusion in the land. So King David wanted to make it crystal clear what this is going to happen, how it's all going to shake down. This is going to be the plan. And so he puts it all in place. Now look at this. If you could, go to verse 6 of chapter 23. It says this, Then David divided them into divisions according to Levi's sons, Gershom, Kohath, and Merari. So why would... Just throwing it to you guys. Why do you think they would divvy out uh, as, as far as the sons go? Like, what's the logic in that? Why did they do that? One division had been set aside for the high priests, in particular through Aaron's line. So that was my first thought to divide it out. But I think it's just natural division down in the family. Totally. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say, just practically and logically, Family ties. I'm sure there's a lot more into this and why it was selected by the... But, but just to kind of like bring it down to just real practical, guys, they had crazy awesome family ties going on. Family is stronger. My great-grandmother, she always said, why have friends when you can have family? I mean, horrible, horrible idea. You should have friends. But the idea is, is that when you got a tight-knit family, it's really sweet. So then I'm not going to really get into the next few names here from verse 7 uh, to verse 12. But guys, just so you know, he's setting it up name by name, level upon level, family by family for the work of the service of the ministry that's going to be happening in building this temple. Now look at this. Why don't you go to verse 13? It says this, Amram's sons, Aaron and Moses. Aaron, along with his descendants, was set apart forever to consecrate the most holy things. To burn, to, burn incense, to burn incense in the presence of Yahweh, to minister to him, and to pronounce blessings in his name forever. Guys, this is an everlasting consecration that was upon the lineage of Moses and Aaron. And this is what's super fun. Uh, I, I want to take you guys just really quick, uh, just as, as bringing it from the Old to the New Testament, go to 1 Peter chapter 2. I, I want to talk about uh, verses 4 through 10 as we're beginning to wind down here a little bit. Um, this is talking about as, as Moses and Aaron, the, the, the bloodline of Aaron, is, they're called to be, to be priests and to consecrate, consecrate the holy items forever. Look at this. Yeah, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 10. And then I have something cool I want to read you. Look at this. Coming to him, a living stone rejected by men, but chosen and valuable to God. Look at this, next verse. You yourselves as living stones are being built into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The next verse. For it is contained in scripture. Look, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. One more verse here. So the honor will come to you who believe, but for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone. You got one more? Yeah, keep going. 
a stone to stumble over, a rock to trip over. They stumble because they destroy the message. They were destined for this. The next verse. But you, my friends, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. One of my favorite. And then go to verse 10 just to finish it up here. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Guys, this is the cool thing. What Moses had sown years and years ago was now beginning to come to fruition in a greater way. It's like, it's true, like the scripture says that one sows a seed, one waters a seed, but the Lord is the one that causes it to grow and brings the increase. This little seed that happened back with Abraham, or even way back to, to Adam, that seed, both the good and the bad, you know, the Bible says God will not be mocked. What a man sows, he will also reap. It, that's not like a, it doesn't need to be a negative like, you reap what you sow. What that's about is, yeah, you reap what you sow, both the good and the bad. And this is what's cool. The lineage of Moses and Aaron, now these sons get to walk out a brand new tabernacle, something that, that God has purposed in the heart of King David. Now they get to be a part of, of fulfilling that plan. And so you guys, you, that's what you have. What you sow, that's what you're going to reap. And that's what's so cool about that law of sowing and reaping. I encourage you just to begin to sow seeds now that's going to, in, in, in some crazy way, it's going to impact generations, maybe a hundred years from now, maybe, maybe a thousand years from now. I don't know how long the Lord is going to be before it comes, but what you do now is going to affect future generations. Isn't that amazing? Also, what's awesome in line with this royal priesthood idea, my friend Nick Gerber, he gave me this awesome book. It's the Christian book of mystical verse. It sounds real crazy. A.W. Tozer put this together, and I just love this. And I want to read this in regards to, in, in light of 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. This is what I want to say over you. This is called The Royal Priesthood. This is by Gerhard Terstegen, written many, many years ago. The race of God's anointed priests shall never pass away. Before his glorious face they stand and serve him night and day. Though reason raves and unbelief flows on a mighty flood, there are and shall be till the end the hidden priests of God. His chosen souls their earthly dross, consumed in sacred fire. To God's own heart their hearts ascend in flame of deep desire. The incense of their worship fills his temple's holiest place. Their song with wonder fills the heavens, the glad new song of grace. Guys, this is the cool thing that we get to be partakers in and participators in as a royal priesthood, that we actually are the body of Christ, that we are, as Peter talked about, living stones being formed together, just as the blueprint is being laid out for this new temple to be built under King Solomon, as King David's handing over the reins. Guys, did you know that we are the blueprint? We're, we're, we are a part of that thing of, of what God has done through the cross and through the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we get to now become the living stones that make up the body of Christ, that we have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's so cool. I want you to flip over to just real quick to verse 25 of this chapter. And it says this, For David said, The Lord God of Israel has given rest to his people, and he has come to stay in Jerusalem forever. Guys, remember the book of Judges? It was like crazy town. I mean, the last time I was here teaching, I just was in awe. I called it Jerry Springer on, on steroids. I mean, it was just terrible. But now, under David's rule, after many years, in his ripe old age, in his full of days, full of years, he's actually brought the nation into a place of peace. 
And so he says that I, Israel has been given rest and that he has come to stay in Jerusalem forever. Guys, this is what's so glorious about this new temple that's being built. It's not going to be hauled around in tents and set up and carried on ox carts. The Ark of the Covenant is going to be in one place in the tabernacle of David. And this is what's so cool is now it's going to be the center of worship for not only Israel, but for all mankind. And even as a, and that is a foreshadowing of what's to come that Jerusalem, once again, the new Jerusalem will come out of heaven and will be placed in Jerusalem. And it's going to be the center of worship for all mankind, the one true living God. It's so powerful. So this, the Ark of the Covenant is now going to be safely kept in this new palatial structure. Uh, verse 26, it says this, also the Levites no longer need to carry it to the tabernacle or any of the equipment for its service because it's going to be a permanent structure. And it's, it's, I'm, just, I'm excited even just as I read this. I wish I could have been there. In fact, Kevin, could we go to that image really quick? Look at this thing. So this is the blueprint that, this is the thing that, that David has had in his heart for decades. And now he's beginning to unfold the plan and putting the right people for the right jobs in place to see this dream accomplished. Man, it gets exciting. Ah, But here's what's so cool about this picture. What makes it the holy place isn't the gold. It isn't the silver. It isn't the bronze work. It isn't the beautiful mosaic pictures built with amazing precious stones. But what makes this the holy place is the Holy One of Israel takes residence in it. It's the place where he is able to dwell and rest and people get to just come and receive the goodness of God. Guys, I was on, uh, on the plane flying here to Dallas just yesterday, and I just, I just got emotional, just began crying because, guys, I believe in the American church. We have so many amazing buildings. We have so many amazing godly men and women with, they have the blueprint and the plan that God wants to do, but sometimes this is what happens is these structures are built. I mean, I even look around Dallas-Fort Worth. There's some amazing structures here. But friends, when we begin to, we, when we begin to worship the structure, when we get, begin to worship the thing, that God has purposed in our heart and not the God that purposes the things in our heart, then we have a problem. And this is what I see in the American church is that we have a lot of beautiful buildings, but I want to tell you, sometimes the Lord leaves the building. It's because he's not welcome there anymore because we begin to worship the thing. We begin to worship the, the holy place instead of the holy one. And that, it's really sober for me. I don't want to be a downer here today, but guys, this is what happened just years later. This temple, you know, Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up again. Like, guys, this temple is no longer in Jerusalem right now. This is what happens when we kick God out of the building. And so, guys, I want to end with this. Under the unction of the Spirit of God himself, David is setting the stage for what's going to be built. He committed his plan to the Lord that he's had in his heart for years. And we're about to see in the next few chapters of how this plan is going to come to pass. And spoiler alert, everybody, it's going to succeed. <laughs> like, it's going to happen. This planning phase spills over into, into chapter 24. And layer upon layer, brick upon brick, King David is building his lifelong dream to build for the Lord a house worthy of God himself. And David is putting his affairs in order. Remember, he's in ripe old age. He's, he's on his way out. And so he's putting it in place so that the transition to Solomon's reign is going to be seamless and efficient. And so now we got the scroll, we got the blueprint put in place, and we begin to see the power of God's plan unfold through King David and Solomon. And so guys, I just want to thank you for joining us today. And uh, just not, I, it's, it's just not leaving me that sober note, guys. I just want to take a minute. I just want to pray 
for the American church, for the, for the global church, that we wouldn't build amazing things just with, made by hands of men and built with gold and amazing stuff, but that it, our churches, that our buildings, that our, our, our efforts would be filled with the essence and the, 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 the power and the, the fragrance of God himself. So in Jesus' name, God, with sobriety, I come to you and I ask, Lord, that you would begin to awaken the churches, not only in America, but around the world. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be so focused on the prosperity of, of, of things, but Lord, that we would, we would want your presence to be the greatest thing. We would want your glory to fill the house. And so, Lord, we're exci- I'm excited for new building projects. I'm exciting for, excited for new temples and tabernacles being built. But, Lord, if you're not there, it's all in vain. So, Father, come and fill us with your presence. And, Lord, at the end of the day, let us know about the new blueprint, which is this glorious new Jerusalem coming out of heaven, which is the body of Christ. We're going to talk about that soon, but we're the bride of Christ. And, Lord, I pray that we just step into our God-given potential and our, and our calling. So I just bless these people and thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Guys, that wraps it up. Thanks for joining us for Revive School today. We'll catch you later. Peace!